Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. We are really excited to be joined this week by Jen Knight, CTO and co-founder of AgentSync, a company using technology to solve some of the biggest pain points in insurance producer management. Jen and her husband and co-founder, Niji Sabarwal, moved the company out to Denver from the Bay Area last year, and it has been on an absolute tear ever since, raising $36 million and rapidly expanding to over 60 employees. Before moving to Denver, Jen had technology leadership roles with some incredible Bay Area companies, Stripe, LinkedIn, and Dropbox. This experience not only led to her founding AgentSync, but as you'll hear, provided the basis for her biggest lesson. Jen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I would love to hear about what you're up to with AgentSync and how you got to this point. Yeah, it's a great question. So AgentSync is uh, focused on the insurance industry, specifically on the compliance and onboarding workflows that power how agents come into agencies and also are uh, contracted with carriers to sell their products. So it's really originally was a compliance product. It was our focus area, but we really think a lot about business efficiency, onboarding and agent experience in that workflow. I got into this uh, about two and a half, almost three years ago. My husband, who is my co-founder, um, was working at Zenefits and saw this problem firsthand with some challenges they had internally. He was tasked with remediating those and then figuring out how to keep them on the right side of the compliance obligations they had um, as the team was scaling up. And he's a technologist, uh, worked in sales operations at LinkedIn before that, and was looking for a tool on the market that could really help him think about this from a data-first perspective and an efficiencies perspective and didn't find anything that was very compelling. So we decided why not take a leap uh, and fell into the magical, mystical, crazy world of insurance data um, and back office challenges, which has been our passion for the last two and a half years. Great. And um, what, what were you doing before AgentSync, before, before jumping in as a, as a founder? Yeah, I was in business applications. So I ran internal systems at Stripe. I've been doing that shape of work for a better part of almost a decade at that point. Uh, the focus area was all, how do you run business that powers a product, right, or anything in the in the tech space. So before that, uh, Dropbox, before that, LinkedIn, all the same area. So sales systems, marketing systems, finance systems. Um, really, how do you think about all those people behind the scenes that are making it possible to bring product to market and making the business business run? And I worked on the technology stacks that supported them in their day to day. I have to ask, right, husband wife team. How is it? <laughs> how how is that working out? And how do you separate home and work, or do you? Uh, we do, we do. It's um, it's a question we get obviously a, a bit, and it's something that I I love in the sense of you know, Niji and I worked together at LinkedIn. We knew we loved working together. Um, we do very opposite sides of the world. So I do technology and product. He does all the go to market. We overlap a lot on the product side. We get really excited and and nerd out about ideas together. Uh, but one thing that was great for us coming in as new co-founders of into this space is that we came in with a lot of trust and really strong communication out the gate. We did have to learn early on how to have a good fight. Uh, and I mean that in the how to, how to figure out when your fight is about a business thing um, versus a personal thing and disentangle those and, and get good language about what are we stressed about? How do we want to have that conversation? And then how do we put the business down when we need to put the business down? Having 
we had our first child last October, um, and that also really helped us think about when do we want to be home, really home, um, and when do we want to be thinking about agencing. But early on, we just figured out, okay, the biggest thing for us is going to be when we're frustrated about something, making sure that we're really clear about what is what. Uh, once we got that out of the way, we actually got to operate from a place of deep trust and, and autonomy. So I know that Niji has a bunch of really difficult challenges in running the go-to-market side of the house that I can have input on, but I don't know the day-to-day. And he respects that I have my own set of challenges on product and engineering, and he'll have input, um, but will let me go kind of do what I need to do. And I, I think it's a great advantage for us, really. It has its own little edges to it, but I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing to be able to lean on and trust your co-founder in the way that we can. So Jen, you know, you're relatively new to Denver and I think you guys haven't been here quite a year and having spent a decade in the Bay Area, you know, why the change and why did you pick Denver and what are you seeing here? Yeah, so we made the decision in December 2019 to come out to Denver. It was a pickup that we were here for COVID, uh, but not not the driving driving decision uh, there. We thought a lot about what we wanted for the company in its first round of growth. And we had really no idea how big the organization would be. But things we were passionate about is as we were growing the company, having the whole team be able to be together. So we were really looking for a market that had strong engineering and product talent and also had strong go-to-market talent. We really didn't want to create a situation where we had a group in the Bay Area and then, you know, as we wanted to grow customer success or, or the sales motion, it, it didn't make sense to do that in the Bay Area. I've seen that a lot in the past. It can really work at a certain scale, but we really wanted to, to get that team together. You know, we're weird insurance nerds at this point and getting that passion and having everyone talking about it in the same room across the company uh, was really important to us. And that was part of when we started the search, we were looking really at at talent and also from a cultural perspective, like how do people think about work? Uh, where do they prioritize it? How do they balance it with life? The Bay Area is fantastic. It's a really, really fast paced, really trying place to be. And I, I think there's this idea that um, if you prioritize life, you don't work as hard. And I think that's fundamentally false. Uh, but there's a kind of a culture of what do people bring to the organization? Um, and what we found in Denver is when we really liked, which is a very serious commitment to the work and an excitement about the work, but also a very serious commitment to self and what is fulfilling for you. Um, and what you know, you're out here because you want to be maybe outdoors or enjoy a certain uh, type of life. Um, and we think that brings a more full experience to, to our organization. Uh, it's really interesting because historically, I, I know you're pretty new, but historically the knock on Denver and Boulder has been that it's too lifestyle oriented, right? And people don't have the ambition. Everybody wants to leave at 2 p.m. to go go ski. Sounds like you're you're finding the opposite. Love to hear your experience there. I am a big believer of always been, even when I worked in the Bay Area, is that a lot of this work, one, startups are really hard. They're extremely demanding. They're going to take a lot of your time. This is not a show up at nine and leave at five. Um, so people need this flexibility to to build their life into that. Otherwise, you end up in burnout. You end up in burnout over and over and over again. I've been burned out. It, it's just a thing. You know, it's all consuming. And suddenly you look back and you're like, I spent 14 hours a day or 17 hours a day or how many? Like, what was I doing um, with myself? And I think that actually, you know, for a sustained presence in an organization, having that desire to balance it with life is actually ultimately healthier. Um, there's things that we have to build that take two or three years to build. You want a team that is going to be there and feel confident and comfortable and happy over that period of time. And I have team members, yep, yeah, they take you know Friday afternoon off to go skiing, but they also 
are working their asses off during the week and they're showing up. And so it's really less about when are you working? It's how are you working? How are we supporting you in that work? I think COVID has also helped with this culture of like, it's not about showing up in the office and being seen for those 12 hours a day. It's really about you know, what have I asked of you? What are you doing? How are you thinking about that? And how are you balancing it that in your space to make yourself productive both at work and then in your life so that you can sustain over the over you know the, a longer period of time? We didn't know that that was a knock on Denver, honestly, coming in. Uh, that was not something that we were necessarily aware of. I, it hasn't played out at all for what we've seen for the teams. You know, people really show up and work hard. I think it's something that had, you know, like like any kind of stereotype had some kernel of truth a long time ago. What we've seen, and I, you know, I've been here for 12 years, but that has dramatically changed and is something that, you know, people who maybe dabbled in this ecosystem 10, 15 years ago still still think. Where obviously we know on the ground uh, things have changed dramatically, and there's a new level, of, I think, ambition in in our companies here. So you know, Jen, you know, looking back, you've obviously you know had a ton of success in your career and worked at a bunch of successful companies, LinkedIn, Dropbox, Stripe, and now is the co-founder of your own company. I'm sure you've learned many lessons o- over that journey. Uh, would love to dive in and hear what your biggest lesson is that you've learned, and some of the examples you know behind what taught you that. Yeah. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and trying to figure out how to put it into words. And this is going to be my best attempt. But I think my biggest lesson has been to own your strengths and accept your weaknesses. And what that means for me personally is that early on, I know for myself how I like to operate. And it was really hard for some feedback. I think, honestly, particularly being a woman in technology, some of the feedback that I received early in my career was very counter to the actual activities that made me successful in my role. So things that made me successful were being direct. They were getting to the point. They were helping navigate situations. And the counter, you know, factual feedback I would get was, it would be nice if you were nicer. Like, you're doing a great job, but you could be nicer. Um, And that was always an interesting one for me because, well, the reason that I'm great at my job is I'm not not nice, but if you asked me to be nicer and do that, it would change my ability to actually express my strength. The second part of that of accepting your weaknesses was it was really important for me at that point in my career to look at what my strengths were and where I actually did have a weakness about how I was presenting myself in that or where I actually spike in an area. And it wasn't about trying to fix that. It was actually accepting that and then figuring out whether or not it was something that I could actually 100% address or the actual answer would be go compliment myself with someone whose strength lifts that up. And I got a really fantastic opportunity early in my career to work with a woman leader on my team who we had the exact, we were kind of the yin and yang. Like My strength complemented her weakness. My weaknesses were complemented by her strengths. And as a pair, we were able to run a really amazing team. And it helped me get really comfortable about what I bring as a strength to the team and not spend all of my time trying to overcome what was my weakness, which is really not going to be something that filled me up. Um, And so ultimately, I think about that a lot of, especially in this position of, I bring a set of strengths to the table, I need to be confident in those and make sure that I present them in a way that can be accepted by the people around me. And then I need to acknowledge that I'm not going to be everything. And a great leader isn't trying to be everything. They're saying, I accept that this is my area of weakness, and I'm going to go find someone uh, who can help our larger organization or my smaller team or whatever that is, have, you know, that sensation, that feeling or that need fulfilled. 
Jen, how did you go about identifying what your strengths were and what some of the weaknesses were? Because I imagine it, it takes some time to, to really get to know yourself in that way, to be able to lean into the strengths and, and support the weaknesses. Yeah, I think for me, on, on identifying the strengths, it was really a question of what were the patterns and behaviors that I did when I got to a successful outcome, you know, when I was up in a problem scenario. So uh, at LinkedIn, there was a really interesting moment um, that was really frustrating for me at the time, but I, I, I got to the right answer. And so that was a, one of the first areas where I was like, okay, reflect on what happened there. I was in a, a conversation with another leader um, and we were having a debate about a very fundamental design aspect that I felt super passionate about. And it got so heated that we actually had to take a whiteboard outside and like neutralize the situation to create space. But in that, we just we like worked through it and kept pushing. And and finally, I was like, okay, that's the strength that I have here is you know around getting to that clarity of conviction about what we need, helping someone go on that journey. The weakness that I had in that moment was being a little bit too bull, like bullheaded on it. And so that was an area for me to develop of how do I present this in a way where we don't have to drag a whiteboard outside. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was able to get the organization to the, the conclusion about a very fundamental piece of our architecture that ultimately became a, a really important part of our design overall. And, and that was for me that exercise of saying, okay, what, what am I good at? I'm good at identifying that pattern. Uh, I'm good at putting language around it. Um, I can get better at bringing people on the journey. So that's something that I've worked on over time. Uh, I can get better at explaining my thinking. So one thing that I know is a strength of mine after assessing these things is pattern matching. One thing that I had to work on a lot was I realized it in my head, how do I bring you along? Um, how do I help, help you understand my thinking? And so that's something that I've worked a lot to put language against. From a weakness perspective for me, I, I love teams. I love people building. But there's a set of behaviors there that are not always the first order thing. I'm a problem solver and I want to solve the problems. And so I can do that in a way that helps you learn and grow. I can do it in a way in an environment that you can have vulnerability and we can fail fast and do all of those things. But there's a set of behaviors that I've watched other leaders have that are the, their most first natural behaviors around uh, creating community um, and some additional community creation behaviors that I can do. Uh, but they're always going to be that sort of forced thing. And I've tried them and I've, and that's how I kind of know. And I've accepted that as what I'll call a weakness where it's going to be better for my organization overall. If I bring in a leader who that's their first thing that fills them up. And then I can help with that other more directive, um, you know, architecture and, and driving vision part of the story. So Jen, as you're building your own teams at AgentSync, how have you taken this lesson and applied it to what you're doing today? That's a great question. I, right now, I'm actually in the process of uh, building out uh, leadership functions. And so in, in that model, my favorite teams that I've built have been a mix of leaders where, you know, if you do any of those kind of like color tests or skills tests or whatever, they're always this like nice mix where we're never overly indicated in one direction uh, because I think it's important for that leadership circle to have that variety of strengths and weaknesses and then a compliment to me. And I, and so something I think a lot about as we're growing agency is making sure that we really are focused on diversity of perspective experience and then how people, you know, we could call it a spike. Um, and as we're building up the leadership team in particular, having models for people and myself included, because I have a ton to learn here, having models for people of these different styles of leadership 
uh, so that they can also see someone in that circle that has the same passions and strengths as them. And they can see that, that you don't have to operate one way to be a successful leader uh, is, is really important thing for me as we're growing. And that's something that I'm looking at a lot as I figure out who in my organization right now is going to become a leader. And then who, as we hire out uh, leaders in the organization, who we want to bring in. Yeah. yeah I, I think, you know, a lesson I've learned similar to what you're saying is that diversity of perspectives and how people engage is, is really critical to building a great team and a great company. One of the things though I didn't realize at the start was actually how when you have that diversity, you need to create different types of space for conversations differently than if everyone is, you know, I've done a lot of disc stuff or Hogan, right? If everyone's a, a D, right? You yeah. know, you can have one type of conversation. You don't have to worry about, you know, other things. But when you get the mixture, which is what you want, you know, I think you actively have to work as a leader, right, to create the space for those types of conversations. How have you you solved for that? Yeah, it's a good question. I was actually talking about this yesterday where it was a really a fascinating moment. I was talking about leadership training. And one of the things I'm super grateful for is that early in my career, I got the opportunity to do leadership training at LinkedIn and they had a very strong program. And that was the first place where they, they had this exact uh, you know conversation of you have to know that people on your team are going to hear you differently and accept, like understand what you're saying differently. And you have to understand who they are and then what is the right framework and context for that. And I think about it a lot too. We have uh, someone on our team who always talks about processors versus, you know, accept who in the room is a processor. And I'm a bit of a processor. And so I talk about that with the team too. Um, how do we create space for that? I, I think the only way to answer that is not one right answer. It's actually talking about it, acknowledging it, and then creating, especially in an environment where you have people who want to solve it immediately and people who need to process, starting the conversation with, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve. If we happen to solve it in the room, that's great. If we don't and we need to go process, that's also great. Like, this is not about a one size fits all and there's nothing better about speed or like us all getting to alignment. I actually talked about it with the team here where we're talking about PR reviews and I was like, the goal is not to have no comments. The goal is to get feedback and learn. Right. And that for you, like might feel uncomfortable, but we need to create that space to feel uncomfortable and just talk about it all the time. And, Speed is important and these things are important, but at the end of the day, growth is going to be really critical for us. And then being comfortable sharing hard news, bad news, like disagreeing and truly committing and moving forward is only going to come from us actively saying success here doesn't look like we all got in this room. We like charged the hill. We all left and we were like so proud of ourselves. And then suddenly we realized like, oh, wait, like Adam never said a word. Like, what was Adam thinking? Oh, well, Jen, whatever. And you don't have to worry about that with Adam. I can tell you that. <laughs> right. But, you know, you may, I've had those moments where suddenly you're like, wait a second. Like, I bet he had a great thought. And now we've already, like, charged. The, and now you're trying to incorporate that thought after the fact. So a lot of what, what I do with the team is just anchoring on that of if this is a moment where we need to process if you want to process, like, let's do that. Let's create that space. That's also, you know, making sure that we have a lead up, an opportunity. I also have learned really to like, to ask people, not ask in that kind of passive way of, I think this is a good idea. What do you think? Pause. Oh, no one said anything. Okay, I'll move forward. 
it's, you know, I think this is a good idea, or I think we'll get to this conclusion. What do you think? Oh, no one's talking. Hey, Adam, what do you think? Can I get your perspective? Um, can I bring you to the table? And and if if it's, you know, I need to think about it, cool, great. So Adam needs to think about it. Jen's on board. Let's give it a day or two, and we'll come back and, and reassess. Um, so I, I really just think it's that rigor of constantly challenging yourself to say, like, am I just doing me? And especially as a leader, am I doing me and everyone is, like, following along and nodding because they're afraid to say something else. Um, and if that's the case, how do I break that and really drive engagement? Got it. You know, it's really interesting, Jen, when you talk about really understanding your own strengths and weaknesses as you jump into a role as a founder, right? Because now it's not just, hey, I'm creating my team or hiring a couple of people. Your strengths and weaknesses are actually going to be reflected in the entire culture of the company, right? How have you thought about that? and the implications that your strengths and weaknesses now have company-wide. Oh, man. I obsess about that all the time. And it's actually something that Niji and I have talked about a lot. And I think one of the – you asked about being married co-founders. One of the things that I love about it is a, that ability to be vulnerable about things like this. Um, it's really different, you know, being that kind of leader in so many ways. And that's something that he and I talked about really early on, and we call each other on. You know, if something happens and – there's a reaction where I'm like, you can't do that anymore. He's like, you can't do that anymore. This is this is more than just you and me. This is more than just you and your team. Uh, I think there's a there's an ability on a smaller team in a larger organization, right? You still create that culture. Um, it's super critical even at that scale. But there's a little bit of forgiveness and a little bit of buffer. And very early on, we started having these conversations. It was like, when we present this behavior, when we present this whether you like it or not, the entire organization is watching you. I had a fairly cute moment with him once where we're talking about something and he, I said, Niji, you know, that you know that some of these people might be a little afraid of you. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, but they don't know you, you know, they're going to know you maybe, but now we're 50 people and now we're 70 people. And many of these people aren't going to know you. And so you have to think about that in every interaction. And some things that work really well with me and Brandon, because we know you super well, and even the immediate leadership team aren't going to translate. So I think it's just always an active conversation of exactly that. Like, what did I just do? Why did I do it? Is it driving to the right outcome? Is that actually me falling into one of my kind of like weakness moments? If it is, how do I stop, acknowledge that, and then actively talk about it? So that's something we do too of you know, if I like make a mistake in that way or do something where I'm like, oops, like, ah, that was like one of my weakness moments, it's like reaching back out to the person and being like, I acknowledge that it happened. This is how I'm thinking about it. This is how I want to move forward. Um, it takes a little bit of extra time, but I think that's also a, a kind of a fundamental aspect of, of as co-founders and founders saying we're learning too. it's a learning mindset. We're not going to be perfect. Um, and here's how I can help. And here's where I occasionally I'm going to fail. And then I'm going to like look at that with you and talk about how we can we can improve in that area. Yeah, I think to your point, Jen, one of the things I had to learn is that, you know, as your frequency and distance of interactions changes as you grow, you have to be much more thoughtful about each one of those engagements because you don't get the reps or you don't get the one on one time right to create uh, different connections with folks. Yep. I love this framework because one of my favorite interview questions, one of the most effective interview questions when I'm hiring, hiring folks is tell me about your strength, right? Everybody's got a great answer. What's your superpower? But then you say, okay, 
you've got a kryptonite. It's the opposite of that strength. We all have it. What is it, right? And it's a little bit different than saying what's my greatest weakness because it's how does that weakness actually uh, contribute to my strength or how is it related mm-hmm. to my strength? And I think people accepting that and saying, I can't eliminate that weakness. I can just tame it or accept it or, or figure out how do I manage it is really, really critical towards everyone's success. Yeah. And I, and I, I love that because it, it is true that, you know, the, the, every strength has its counterpart. And, and that is why I've ultimately said, I have to, I have to accept it earlier on for me. I had this idea of, oh, you can overcome it. Um, you can like, you, and I think that's a thing maybe earlier also too, you, you, you sort of say like, well, like I could like work on that and I could work on that and I can work on that. And then you realize maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. And it's probably not true. And if you spend all of your energy working on that, you're also going to stop having that power that moves you forward. Um, and so that, that acceptance for me was so critical of saying like, I can always improve in diff- different areas. It's not about just saying I get, I give up. But it's just saying this is gonna this is gonna be my default mode, and I can there's a bunch of tools in my toolkit to not prevent me from moving forward with that in you know being the case. But yeah, it's a it's a fun it's a fun thing to reflect on. I, I think it's a, a really challenging thing as an individual to to sort through, and then also just to like continually be like, all right, I'm gonna learn this again today in a new way, and and that's okay. Well, Jen, thank you so much. Super, super valuable lesson. And we're really, really happy that you're uh, building agency in Colorado. We have you as part of the community. Where can our listeners follow along with uh, what you're doing? I think right now, uh, the best place to follow along is LinkedIn, Twitter. That's where we're sharing news about everything that's kind of coming up for us in terms of growing the team and growing the product. That's where you can find us. Thanks again, Jen. Really appreciate it. 